Praise the Lord. It was beautiful, amen? I said that was beautiful, amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pastor Ron, maybe when this is all over, you can introduce me to that Pastor Bentley. I would love to meet that brother. But thank you for your kind words. Uh, God is so good, and I'm glad that the Lord is willing to work through broken vessels. Amen? Elder Ringstaff called me and asked me about speaking for this evening. And when he told me he wanted me to speak about Daniel, I had two competing and rapidly moving thoughts that passed through my mind. When he told me Daniel, the first thought that went through my mind was, Oh, wow, I know a lot about Daniel. The second thought that just, surpa- just blowed right past it was, wow, so does everybody else. <laughs> what do you share about Daniel? I mean, we just recently had a Sabbath school quarterly where what, who did we talk about the entire quarter? Daniel. And so I start praying, and, and I tell you, God is so good. God is an on-time God. And it was within moments of hanging up from that conversation that the Lord pressed upon my mind the exact direction where he wanted this message to go. And I thought, praise the Lord. I've got a couple of weeks now to work on this message, and then I get a text from Pastor Kelly. Somebody from Village is going to be reaching out to get a little information, and they wanted my sermon title. I don't sermon title. I ain't got a sermon title. But in that moment, God answered that prayer because once again, I said, Lord, I need help. And before I got the email, God had given me a sermon title. Tell me God's not amazing. So tonight, I'm very thankful to be able to talk about Daniel. I'm very thankful to be able to spend a few moments talking to you about the Prince of Peace. Let us pray. Prince of Prayer. Forget your own sermon title, Bentley. Let's pray. Loving Father, Lord, I thank you for being the awesome and wonderful God that you are. I thank you, Father, that you have given us this camp meeting. The devil tried to rob us of our camp meeting. But, Lord, you found a way. You found a way for us to come together. You found a way for us to to be fed, to be encouraged, to be spiritually invigorated. Father, tonight I come to you as your son. And, Lord, I need your help. Father, I recognize that without your help, I have nothing of any value to share. But Lord, with your help, your word can come alive. Your word can teach us. Your word that is living and active can change us. And so Lord, tonight I plead that you would change this preacher. Make me what you need me to be. But Father, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters We live in a world filled with distractions. Lord, in this moment, please take away those distractions. Take away those things that would take our focus off of you. And Lord, let us dive into the word. Let the word come alive tonight because it's your word that changes lives. So I ask for these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take a little journey with you as we look at the life of Daniel. And my first thought went to the fact, again, most of us are familiar with them, right? I mean, we know Daniel, and he, and he had a couple of friends, right? He actually had three that are specifically mentioned. Do you remember their names? And I don't want those pagan names. I want their Christian names, right? We always hear about Shadrach, Meshach, and, and what's ago, right? But what were their Christian names, right? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? So Daniel 
And I love Daniel, that name, two parts, right? Dan means judge, and El is taken from Elohim. So Daniel is a name that recognizes that God is my judge. How beautiful is that? So we know about these guys. We're introduced to them, and and we know that these are three guys that are more interested in following the God of heaven than they are in filling their bellies, right? I mean, they were placed in a situation where they're brought into the courts of Nebuchadnezzar, and they're given an opportunity to taste of the finest delicacies. Quick question for you. How many of you love to eat? Come on, some of you ought to be raising your hand. I can tell you love to eat. Pastor Bentley loves to eat, right? Praise God for good food. Right? These guys had the best laid out. But yet, what did they want? They recognized that what the world saw as the best was not necessarily what God had called the best. Do we live in a similar situation today, yes or no? Absolutely. Now, we know that these guys were brought into a period of instruction, and eventually, at the end of that instruction, they were going to be tested. Let me ask you this question. Did following God put them at the back of the class? No, no. Let's get into the scripture, right? Will you open your Bibles with me? Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. I'd like you to go to verse 20 with me. I hear pages, but I can't hear them turn on iPhones and iPads and other devices. So when you're there, can I hear amen, please? If you need more time, say have mercy. We're under a time limit. We're not going to wait on you. Here we go. Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. When he came down to this testing period, notice how the Bible describes it. It says, in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them to be the slackers and the worst in the field. No, that's not what the scripture says. No, friends, those of you that don't know me will quickly figure out that sometimes I misquote scripture. I will give you the Bentley substandard version. The scripture actually says what? He found them to be what? What's the number, saints? Ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Friends, they didn't just pass the examination. Jeremy, education superintendent, they they didn't just pass the examination. These were the valedictorians of the class. Praise God. These were the guys who shined far and above, not only those that were tested, right? Notice what it said. These guys weren't just the sharpest ones in the class. They were the sharpest ones in the realm. Tell me God's way is not better. Tell me God's way doesn't get you through. (laughs) Right? What does the world say? If you follow God, you're going to miss out. Oh, yeah, I I love missing out on hangovers, don't you? Some of you were raised like pure as the wind-driven snow. You know what? A hangover. That's where all of us heathens used to drink alcohol and you feel like garbage the next morning. Boy, I sure miss that. No, God's way doesn't leave us out, friends. God's way doesn't cause us to miss out on things. God's way gives us the best things. And Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are testimonies to that. And now notice, as they pass this examination period, they're brought into the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. I now present to you the captive princes, as it were, brought in from Judah. We know that these are men of prayer. We're going to fast forward, and I'm going to talk to you about ancient kings. Question for you. Were ancient kings known for their patience and humility? Ancient kings were not known for their patience and humility. In fact, when an ancient king asked for something, they wanted an answer immediately, if not sooner. Yes or no? 
Thus is the story from Daniel chapter 2. You guys all know it, right? We're Seventh-day Adventists. I mean, how many evangelistic series do we start out preaching Daniel chapter 2, right? Well, that's the way I was trained. I know I'm in Andrew's backyard, but I did my undergrad at Southern, and that's how I was trained to do evangelism. I did graduate from the seminary, so I represent both schools, right? But I love this story. You have an ancient king who has a dream he can't quite remember, or, or at least he doesn't want to say a whole lot about it, and he certainly didn't understand the meaning, right? So he goes to the brain trust of Babylon, and he says, hey guys, I need you to tell me what this dream's all about. But don't just tell me the dream, what it's about. I need to know what the dream was altogether. What was their response? Well, they probably used some colorful language to describe the predicament they were in. But could they give Nebuchadnezzar an answer, yes or no? No, and they they told him, they said, King, this is impossible. What you have asked to happen, no man can do. Well, they didn't know the God of heaven, did they? Now, friends, I want to be careful. You know, sometimes we paint these magicians, these astrologers, as people who had no resources. Friends, I believe that they had plenty of resources at their disposal because they were connected to the leader of the third of the fallen angels. Right? I mean, myself, even in evangelism, I've said, hey, these guys couldn't give any answers. They often gave answers, and they did it through some weird things. You can look into that yourself. But friends, these people were connected. Let's go to the scripture again. I want you to go with me this time to Exodus chapter 7. Hold your finger there in Daniel. We're going to be coming right back. Exodus chapter what? 7. And if you'll land with me in verse 11. We know the story of Moses, right? He said, Lord, I can't talk. I can't do this. He had every excuse in the book for the Lord. Uh, The Lord said, I've got you. I'm going to send Aaron with you. Finally, we know he gives in. He goes to Pharaoh. They're asking to be released. And you're going to show this miracle, right? You're going to take your staff. And what was supposed to happen to the staff when it was thrown down? Turn into a serpent. Wouldn't that be cool to have? You imagine young boys all over the land? Boom! Moms be freaking out. Praise God, the Lord doesn't use his handiwork for novelty, for entertainment. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 11, are you there with me? It says, Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner. They also threw down staffs with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod and they became what, friends? Let me ask you, do these people have power and connections, yes or no? Was Aaron connected to a greater power? I love this part. What does Aaron's rod do to the other rods? Rolls up there, and it says, but Aaron's rod, the last part of verse 12, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Friends, I love that Aaron's rod ate the others, But my point is, we have biblical evidence that those who practice the dark arts have connections. Let's go back to Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar demanded that his gaggle of wise men tell him his dream and the interpretation, but no one could. We all know that. Nebuchadnezzar becomes filled with rage, and he fires off a decree. Again, known for his patience and humility. No. What is his decree? If you guys cannot tell me what I'm asking, I'm going to kill every one of you and I'm going to burn your house down. How's that for motivation? 
I believe that would get my attention, right? I'd be, like, oh, I'd be tossing my bones or pouring you know, blood over oil, whatever they did. All these, I'd have been wanting to know something. But that executioner begins making his way around. We don't know how many had been lost, but we know he comes to the door of Daniel's home. And Daniel kind of puts on the brakes and he says, wait a minute, what's, what's the hurry? What's the urgency? Can I chat with the king? Now, friends, let me ask you something. If a death decree has been put out, yet Daniel can walk into the presence of the king and have the brakes put on that death decree, what does that say about Daniel's connection with the king? Uh, oh, king, can, can, we, can, we, can, can, we, can we slow down? There's a God in heaven who will give me the answer if you'll just give me a little time. Daniel goes back. Let's notice what he says. He comes back, right? Daniel 2, are you go, go with me to Daniel 2, please. I want you to land in verse 17. Then Daniel went where? Where did he go? Went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret. Friends, what was Daniel's strategy to figure out what Nebuchadnezzar needed to know? He went to his knees. And friends, catch this lesson. This is a powerful lesson. He didn't just pray by himself. He involved other people. Friends, I'm here to tell you, there is such a wonderful supporting power and other people also praying for you. What are we told in James chapter 5? That the fervent prayers of a what? Anybody know the verse? The fervent prayers of a, a lukewarm Christian. The fervent prayers of a righteous man does what? Availeth much. Right? That's that old English way of saying, man, it gets a lot done. Because it's not that man's righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ working through that man. And those prayers are connected to the throne of grace, yes or no? Praise God. Well, I don't have to tell you the rest of the story. You know it. They prayed, the princes of prayer. God revealed the dream. He goes in, tells Nebuchadnezzar. We all know how that story ends. Fast forward now with me to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to come to yet another story of Daniel's prayer life. And this story, we know, was born out of jealousy and envy. Aren't you glad we don't see any of that kind of stuff in the world nowadays? Aren't you glad that in the political season, we're not, we don't see anybody motivated by jealousy and envy, do we? Well, unfortunately, the green-eyed monsters, so to speak, are alive and well. Daniel, he was among the most trusted advisors to the king. He shone. Babylon's court, and now he is shining among the Medo-Persians. Because he was wise, his wise counsel, Daniel was elevated to be one of the top three advisors, and the scripture goes on to tell us that he was going to be elevated to the top advisor just below the king. But following God's ways doesn't get you anywhere, does it? God's way will always get you where he needs you to be, where you can be most effective for him. And sometimes, even when we're trying to follow God's ways, we look at other people and we try to say, well, so-and-so has that talent, and, and I'm not being blessed because I don't have that talent. I looked over at my brother Joe Reeves, Pastor Reeves, playing the piano. And brother, brother Reeves, I love to watch you play the piano. I know this, brother. But I love when I watch you play the piano, it's almost like you're angry with it. <laughs> but it's just that intensity. Intensity. 
Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about? Now, now everybody's going to be watching. Is he angry? But I'm saying I love to watch that. And, and, and he and I worked together in Teen 10 at camp meeting. And Pastor Joe, I'm, I'm a little envious. I wish I could play like that. It's beautiful. I heard singing tonight. Pastor Rod and I looked at each other when we heard people singing tonight. We said, well, up in heaven, <laughs> we'll sing like that. Friends, be content with what God has given you where he has placed you. Daniel was functioning where he had been placed, and because he was faithful, God could use him. The same is true for us. Can you say amen to that? But as he was being elevated, those that we might refer to as indigenous leaders, right? Daniel was a captive that was brought in. Are you with me? But those indigenous leaders, those people who were part of the kingdom, they look around and say, wait a minute. Isn't, isn't this guy some, some captive? Isn't he some holdover from a previous government which we overthrew? Why is this guy the one that's being elevated? So that jealousy, that envy began to deepen in their hearts. So they come up with a plan. You remember the plan, right? Oh, let's read about it in Scripture. Let's see what it says for ourselves. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 7. Are you there? It says, All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together. They're before the king. They're, they're telling him, hey, wait, listen, Lord, we're, we're all into all this. It's all of us. It's not just my idea or his. It's all of us. We consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And so it was done. Nobody could worship any other god or idol for 30 days except the king. And I love Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. It tells us that Daniel knew about this decree and he completely ignored it. And he went right to his house. He opened up the doors that allowed him to face towards Jerusalem. And he went to his knees and he prayed to his God without regard or thought of what would happen to him. He was most concerned with following his God. And of course, these guys knew that right? We know that they counted on Daniel being consistent. They counted on his character being flawless. And they watched. Oh, there he goes. Got him. Oh, there's number two. Oh, okay. Come on, come on, come on. One more time. Oh, they couldn't wait to run to the king. Oh, king, you know, you made this decree, right? Yeah. yeah. You know that the law of the Medes of the Persians, once it's been decreed, can't be changed, right? Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? Your boy Daniel, he's been praying to that old God of heaven. And now you've got to follow through and throw him into the lion's den. We know the story. And friends, I want to say this to you. I appreciate that the Bible bears out that Darius tried to do everything in his power to get Daniel out of that situation, yes or no? But here's what he didn't know. He was trying to be the king to help Daniel, but that king didn't know that Daniel had the king of kings on his side. And friends, I'm here to tell you, when the king of kings is on your side, it doesn't matter what an earthly king does. Well, Daniel's thrown in there. King comes running down the next morning. Daniel, has your God spared you? Oh, I'm here. My Lord had angels sent to me, clothed the mouths of the lions. Can you imagine? What a miracle. And friends, I guarantee you, Daniel didn't just strut in there arrogantly and say, ah, no big deal. Those guys don't look that hungry. 
I guarantee you Daniel walked in there with a heart that was covered in prayer. The prince was also a prince of prayer. This prince of prayer is now much older when we come to Daniel chapter 9. I want you to go with me to Daniel 9. He's much older, and I would even say to you that Daniel was looking forward to the finish. Did you know that? Daniel chapter 9, that could, that could have been the theme of which this entire camp meeting experience was born out of because Daniel was looking forward to the finish. Daniel was looking forward to the finish of the 70-year prophecy of Jeremiah. Was he not? No, we see it there, right? I mean, just walk through it with me. Verse 2 tells us that he was studying Jeremiah. He was familiar with that passage from Jeremiah 25, 11, and here's what it says. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon for how long? Seventy years. Daniel had seen the front end of that, and now he has lived through the Babylonian Empire, now into the Medo-Persian kingdom, and he sees the timetable tipping away. Ah, it's almost time. It's, it's, it's almost over. And I love that we begin to see that in verse 3. Look, look at it for me. Look at it with me. It tells us that he took on a posture of mourning. Do you see that? He puts on sackcloth and ashes. Friends, that was not a celebratory garment. Right? When's the last time you put on just your burlap dress or suit to go to church? Anybody ever handled burlap? It's nice and soft, right? Like those fleece blankets. I know you crafty ladies. And cra- is, cra- is it okay to call ladies crafty, sweetheart? Okay. okay. I will say the wrong thing. I know you crafty ladies are making burlap blankets for Christmas, aren't you? Oh, I mean, there's nothing like snuggling up on a cold Michigan, Michigan winter day to burlap. Negative. Burlap is itchy. It's uncomfortable, and it's a garment that was worn when someone wanted to be constantly reminded of their discomfort. And Daniel was uncomfortable living in a foreign land as a captive among a people who had grown content being captives. He takes on this posture of mourning. He takes on this posture of praying. We get down to verses 5 and 6, and, and Daniel begins to confess for national sins, right? He says, we have done wickedly. We've sinned. We've rebelled. We've, we've committed iniquities. We have not heeded your prophets. Over and over and over, do you notice that Daniel does not use third-person pronouns? He doesn't say their sins. Whose sins does he say? Our sins. We have done this. Now you look at that and you say, Daniel lumps himself in with all those others? I mean, was this not the stand-up guy of stand-up guys for God? Well, friends, Daniel wasn't necessarily praying for his own iniquity. Daniel recognized that he was also part of a nation who had been unfaithful to God. Guess what? Tonight, you are part of a nation that has also been unfaithful to God. Is that fair? What, do you, can you see what's on my lapel? Those of you that are sitting close or on the live stream will notice that's a little American flag. 
So I'm not up here bashing our country. Friends, I, I love our country. I served in the military to support the freedoms. I love the freedoms, but when I look around, I see a country that does not honor God. Daniel was also among a people who had repeatedly dishonored God, yes or no? And so he's praying, he's asking, he's pleading with God, Lord, forgive us. Friends, there's some major lessons for us here. How many national tragedies lay at our feet? How many have suffered in our midst as a nation? How many have had their lives snuffed out before they could even be born in our nation? How many have suffered injustices at the hands of those who were sworn to protect them? Friends, the truth be told, you and I should have a similar prayer for our nation. As we think about Daniel's prayer, I love that the Lord is tuned in to Daniel's prayer. Have you ever thought maybe your prayers aren't heard? Let's be honest. Have you, have you ever been in that place where you think, man, I'm praying, but is, is the mic on? Don't you love that? AV people love this. As soon as somebody, is, is this thing on? AV people, am I right? Oh, you just love that, right? Is this thing on? Let them do their job. But sometimes we feel like that with God. Is this this thing on? Are you listening? Friends, don't ever question whether or not God's listening. Just because you don't get the answer that you were hoping for doesn't mean that God wasn't paying attention. Children have to figure this out at an early age. No is an answer. Right? Right? Well, Lord, I'd like an answer to prayer. You got one. It was no. You just didn't like it. But it doesn't mean God wasn't listening. Notice how God was tuned in to Daniel's prayer. Go with me to Daniel 9, 23, please. It says, at the beginning of your supplications, Gabriel speaking, relating what had happened, at the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, For you are greatly what? What do you see? Friends, that it could be said of me and you that we're greatly beloved. And I think Jesus stretching his arms out on an old rugged cross is a great testimony to the fact that you and I are loved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Friends, what a powerful thought. God actually answers prayer. I love it that he's tuned in and he's, he's paying attention. In my, as I lift my heart to God, he wants to answer my prayer. He wants to answer your prayers. But friends, here's the sad reality. Far too many of us don't pray. I have had something that I want to tell you. I've only been a pastor for just over 12 years now. And over the course of those 12 years of pastoral ministry, I've had people come to me on occasion, and they'll say to me, Pastor, I I just feel like my spiritual life is dead. I feel like God's not listening to me. I feel like I'm not growing. What can I do about it? I always ask them a question, and I can tell you in 12 years of ministry, I've had the same answer 100% of the time. Here's the question that I ask. Tell me about your prayer life. And the second thing I say is, tell me about your devotional life. And do you know what I have found 100% of the time when people come to me and say, I feel like I have no living connection with God, and I ask those two questions, they will tell me if they're being honest, and they always kind of hang their head down and say, well, I don't really pray and I don't really study my Bible. 
but yet there's a certain sense of amazement that I have no connection with God. Would you believe tonight if I told you I'm not a gymnast? Some of you are like, this guy might be, I'm afraid to answer. (laughs) Friends, I'm here to tell you tonight, I'm not a gymnast. That's a shock, isn't it? You'll never see me on one of those horse things. You'll never see me on one of those ring things unless someone's tied me to them. (laughs) So I could not walk around and say to you, man, I'm just so upset that I'm not a gymnast. Number one, me and leotards need nothing to do with each other. Number two, I'm not built for that. Some people are tiny and they're built, you know, I'm built more for comfort, not for speed. Any, any, anybody relate to that? Are you following me? Right, but friends, there are certain things that are universally available to everyone. And one of those things is a relationship with the God of heaven. He doesn't make it where it's some sort of spiritual gymnastics where only certain people built a certain way and with certain talents and weights can qualify to do it. If you will invest time in studying God's word, and if you will invest time in talking to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you will have a saving relationship with your Jesus. As I think about Daniel's request... What did the prince of prayer want in his request? Well, he wanted healing, did he not? He wanted forgiveness for their corporate sins. He was keenly aware of their faith failings, yes or no? Daniel's studying Jeremiah. He's also reading other books. He knows about the roller coaster of up and down, right? He knows about the failings of the earthly kings who led them into that situation to begin with. He knows about those things. He wants healing. He wants restoration. He had lived through the invasion and capture of Babylon. And now through a change in governmental power, and he longed for his people to be free from foreign rule. He wanted restoration for his people of their homeland. He wanted a city to which they could go back to. He wanted worship to be reestablished in Zion. I asked you, Were these good things for which to pray? Some of you aren't sure. Were these good things to pray about, yes or no? Does God want people to live as free people? Absolutely. Had he established them as a chosen people and given them a home in which to work and do their mission for him? Yes, these were God's desires originally. Daniel wasn't asking for something new. He was asking for what God had put in place to be restored. So friends, I would say to you, those were good things to pray about, right? Here we find Daniel asking, but here's where I might get into trouble with you tonight. I believe that Daniel asked for too little. Now think about that for a second. I believe As I look at this, and this is the first time this thought had ever crossed my mind. All the times I've read Daniel, done done sermons on Daniel chapter 9, studied it. Of course, I love preaching and teaching about Daniel chapter 9, the 70-week prophecy. Anybody else? Oh, that's my favorite. All right, start breaking down those dates. and, And listen, I like doing math that does not require me to take off my shoes. Anybody else? Right? And God's math is math I can do. 
It's not some sort of spiritual calculus. I love teaching Daniel chapter 9. But for the first time as I'm studying this, the Lord laid it on my heart. Daniel asked for too little. The things for which he asked were good things, but he did not ask for enough. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, look at the scriptures with me and tell me if you see the same thing. Let's look at the answer. Right, let's look at how the Lord answers Daniel's prayer. We're still in chapter 9. Go with me to verse 24, please. Your people, they've got 70 weeks. We know that based on biblical prophecy, how long of a time period does that turn out to be? Friends, don't make me take another hour and preach you the 70-week prophecy. 70-week prophecies, how long? 490 years. They had 490 years to get rid of sin, make reconciliation, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy place. Or the most holy, it says. Notice verse 25, right? It says, a decree will be issued to rebuild and restore Jerusalem, and the streets and the wall will be rebuilt even in troublesome times. Yes or no? Does Gabriel bring an answer to Daniel that fulfills the cry of his heart? Yeah, he's looking forward to the finish, but he was only looking forward to the finish of the 70 years. I submit to you this evening that Gabriel came to give him a greater vision, right? Daniel's eyes were fixed at a point, and Gabriel came along and he said, a little higher. You're not looking far enough. You're looking for a forward to the finished, but there's another finish that you really need to be thinking about. Oh, I love it. It's It's beautiful. Right, And we could go through all of those dates. We could start at 457. We could come down those 69 weeks right, and land there in the fall of 27 AD. And we know that Jesus was baptized on time, yes or no? And I love that Luke chapter 3 tells us that he was baptized in what? Oh, mercy. Which year? 15th year of the reign of who? Oh, friends, you've got to know these verses. Right? If somebody asks you, how do you know that Jesus is the Messiah? You need to be able to point them to these things, yes or no. Was Jesus baptized on time? Absolutely. Could anybody else in history have fulfilled the prophecy except Jesus? No, only Jesus. We could talk about these things. We could get excited that halfway through the 70th week that Jesus was crucified and he fulfilled the sacrificial system because he paid the penalty for our sins as the Lamb of God. We could read on a little further and we could study that in the next three and a half years, in A.D. 34, what happens to Stephen? Stephen delivers a blistering sermon to the Jewish leadership and they received it and they all repented. Pastor Kelly, I pray that I never preach a sermon where the congregation gets up and stones me. Unless preaching that sermon is what Jesus has called me to do. This verse 26 speaks of a Messiah. Verse 27 speaks of him confirming the covenant. And I love that this prophecy has details that can thrill the heart of anybody searching to wonder and ask the question, is Jesus the right one? I believe he's the right one. And as I think about the answer that Gabriel came to give Daniel, friends, I believe that Gabriel was trying to say to Daniel, listen, I know you're concerned about your people. And the Lord wants you to know they're going to be given a chance. 
Now, he, he goes on to tell them that the city's going to be destroyed too, right? So after 490 plus years, they blow it anyway. But hey, you're going to get the answer to your prayer. It's going to come forward to the finish of the 70-year prophecy. But Daniel, what you really need to worry about is not the establishment of your country's government. You need to be concerned about the establishment of God's government. You need to be concerned not with the restoration of your people to an earthly city. You need to be concerned about restoring your people to a heavenly city. Daniel had a good prayer, and it's a beautiful prayer, and I'm not knocking him on his prayer. But friends, many of us are like Daniel. We want good things, but they're temporal things. And our God is there saying to us, my child, look a little higher. I've got something greater for you. I've got something better for you. Don't miss out on the great because you were satisfied with the good. Tonight I ask you, is your vision big enough for the God that you serve? And we talk about God being great, right? We talk about him being capable, and yet how often do we allow him to be great in our lives? And friends, I'm, I'm not here tonight pointing fingers at you. If anything I learned during homiletical training was that if a sermon is preached to people that it's not been preached to the pastor first, then you shouldn't open your mouth. So friends, tonight I'm, I'm talking to me too. And God has been speaking to my heart saying, Daryl, you're not asking for great enough things. You're happy with temporal things. You want to run forward to the finish, but Daryl, the finish that you have in mind is here, and I'm trying to take you here. Maybe you have been like that as well. In closing, I want to ask you about your prayer life. What's your prayer life been like? We're sitting in my pastoral study. Welcome. Hope you're comfortable. I'd offer you some water, but I don't have enough to go around. But I'm asking you tonight, how's your prayer life? Do you have an active prayer life where you're connecting to, with God on a daily basis, even an hourly basis or is your prayer life on life support here's a few questions for you to find out if your prayer life is on life support do you only pray over meals is it a good thing to pray over food absolutely especially if somebody's trying to feed you special k loaf you better pray over that stuff i've almost got fired from a few churches because i can't eat special k loaf it's a good thing to pray over your food, but is the only time that you pray over your food? Is the only time you pray in church? Is the only time that you find yourself praying when you've come to the end of your rope and now you open up your spiritual spare tire and pull out God? Friends, if you answered yes to any of those three questions, I'm not trying to be mean or judgmental or hurtful, but I am saying to you, you don't have a prayer life. And I will say to you that a spiritual life without a prayer life is no life at all. Is that fair, yes or no? Our Lord wants us not only to focus on what's before us. Yes, let's do the work that he has put in our hands to do right now. Amen?
but he also wants to take us home. Friends, I don't know about you, but I want to go home. And I'm not talking about Novi. Where? It's on the western side of the metro Detroit area. It's a little nothing. I'm originally from North Carolina. I know you didn't detect that I have an accent because I don't. But I'm not talking about those homes. Are you with me? Tonight, the Lord's lifting my chin and he's pointing me to a greater home. I want to go home. I want to see envy and strife come to an end. I want to see hatred eliminated. I want to see cancer eradicated. I want to see the restoration of all things as God intended for them to be. But my vision must be a little higher. I can't just focus on those temporal things. I need to have a heavenly vision. And I would suggest to you tonight that you do as well. Tonight, friends, you, men and women, boys and girls, you are princes and princesses. Pastor, you're crazy. I might prove that's true. But is your father a king? If your father's a king, what does that make you? If you're a guy, that makes you a prince. If you're a lady, that makes you a princess. Tonight, I'm talking to princes and princesses, yes or no? Guess what? Tonight, God wants you to be a prince or princess of prayer. We're reminded in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, notice what the Lord says. He says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Friends, I ask you, do we need humility? Do we need to be a people of prayer? Do we need to seek the face of our Lord like never before? Do we need to turn from our wicked ways? Friends, I love that Matthew chapter 1 tells us that Jesus came not to save his people in their sins, but to save us from our sins. We serve a God who can make us victorious. Do we need our God to hear us? Do we need forgiveness for sin and healing in our land? Yes and yes. But here's my final question for you. Do you want these things in your family? Do you want these things in your life? You've chosen to be a prince and a princess. Don't prance around with your tiara. Fall to your knees and become a prince or a princess of prayer. Amen? So in closing, I ask you princes, you princesses, are you ready to be princes and princesses of prayer? Do you want that greater vision to be a part of your living reality? Do you want that living connection with the God of heaven? Do you want to commit to a life of prayer tonight? And friends, it doesn't have to be something elaborate and complicated. It's as simple as making it a priority every day to spend time with your God. Talk to him as to a friend. And friends, if you've not read Steps to Christ lately, there's a little chapter in there. I'm not going to tell you which one it is. I want you to search for it. But there's a chapter that talks about prayer that has been a blessing to me so many times I can't tell you. But tonight, will you accept the challenge to be a prince or princess of prayer? Is that the desire of your heart tonight? Let us pray together. Loving Father, 
I thank you that we could look at Daniel's life, this great patriarch who was so faithful that he was willing to become supper instead of turn his back on you. He could have closed the shutters. He could have been faithful in private, but he said, no, I'm going to be faithful in public because I live for my God. Friends, I pray that we would have that strength. And Lord, we need that strength. We can't have it without you. Lord, meet us at our need. Please forgive us where we have failed. Lord, I'm so guilty myself. I'm not here preaching at anybody. Lord, I'm pleading at the foot of the cross tonight myself. Lord, I need to be more committed. I need a greater vision of what you want to accomplish in my life. And so, Lord, please don't let us get so wrapped up in temporal things that we forget eternal ones. Bless us tonight, Father, and keep us forever in your care. For I ask in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.